thinking? Why are people so uptight about this thing? We would think it's as simple as hair, but it's not. It ties into racism. It ties into sexism. It ties into colorism. It ties into white supremacy. It, it, standards of beauty. It's oh my god. Why does it something that that is so simple have to be so complex all the freaking time? And then people want to wonder why we get mad <laughs> and upset. You know because. We are digesting these things every single day of our lives. And it's not get over it. It's not stop whining. These are issues that really need to be addressed. And because it's not something that you experience or you don't feel that it's a big deal, it is for us. It's stressful, people. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Walt, and I would like to welcome you to Boss Locks, the show where we are redefining professionalism and proving that natural hair and professionalism do coexist. Now, today, I have the honor and privilege of, of speaking to Janae Anderson. Janae, how are you doing? I am wonderful. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling, you know, on a Monday, too. I'm actually, I'm feeling kind of energized and everything, so. Oh, that's good. That's good, because mm -hmm. sometimes... Takes a minute to get started. <laughs> it does. It's usually a drag, but I'm trying to trying to flip it, trying to flip the mindset and everything. Mindset. There you go. Positive mm -hmm. thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So for those who don't know, Janae is a mother, wife, entrepreneur, coach, and author of an amazing children's book called I Love My Curls. Now, this book has been the talk of the town, like literally everywhere. I've seen her on the news talking about it, and it's been received so well. I've heard different people speaking about it. Like literally before I told my girlfriend about who I'm interviewing, she was like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Like, oh really? So yeah, this book is amazing. And I think honestly, honestly I think it's a great resource for everybody of all ages. It is a children's book, but I think everyone can learn something from it. But it should be hair type, age, there is lessons for everybody. So um, Janae, one, thank you for creating um, such an amazing book. And um, I have a bunch of questions to ask you as well too. But um, before we get into everything, I would just like to start with one thing. I like to ask everybody's one question to get started. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> what are three things that most people don't know about you? Um, I have two daughters. Um, most people may not know if they don't know me well, that there is a 15 year gap <laughs> between <laughs> my girls. And um, I could have been home free, um, but we decided to have another one. And, um, so my oldest is 21 uh, and the youngest is five. So it's funny because I have um, my oldest is a senior at Howard University and will be graduating this year. And then the oh, five year old is entering into kindergarten. So they're definitely at two different milestones in, 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 in their lifespan here. Um, but a second thing most people don't know that I am a comedian at Harvard. Um, I am witty. I have a sense of humor that um, most people who don't really know me <laughs> may not know. I have been told on many occasions, you seriously need to do um, an open mic night, you know, oh, but my Right. But my biggest fear is there's a difference when you're sitting around with people and you're pulling your 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 wit and your in your uh, comedic spirit from those situations that are happening in front of you versus being on a stage in front of people who could boo you to oblivion. Right. <laughs> makes right. It different. So I think that's that fear. But um, I had said to myself, 2020 was going to be my year of the yes. 
and not the no, but Corona, you know, has totally <laughs> <laughs> destroyed all that. So, um, but I do definitely think at one point I'm going to be brave enough to do. And I would say thirdly, um, when we talk about natural hair, this whole journey, the book, um, the one thing that really started it, the core thing was that I had fibroids. And um, it's something that a lot of um, Black women suffer with. Um, I was not aware of it. I was uh, silent, silently and unknowingly suffering um, as far back as my younger 20s, you mm -hmm. know, and with a lot of the symptoms that fibroids bring about. And um, there's still some back and forth in the medical world about what causes such a high rate of Black women um, to have fibroids. But one of the commonalities in the thought processes goes towards the fact that the things that we use on our hair. And one of those main things is the relaxer. So right. um, that was the thing that really seriously made me start to say, hmm, Health-wise, this is something that maybe you need to start paying more attention to, the things that we use in our hair, the things that we put into our bodies and on our bodies. So, Wow. Interesting. So did you, growing up, did you guys go to the doctor often? We did go to the, to the doctor pretty mm -hmm. often mm -hmm, okay, for gotcha. checkups and things like that. I was wondering, because I know oftentimes I think that a lot of people, we kind of live and walk around with these like illnesses and everything. We just never even know because oftentimes, like I know my family growing up, we, um, there was a period of time where we went to a chiropractor, but that's not mm -hmm. like, you know, doctor do all the x-rays and everything like that. So, yeah. so a lot of times we have something going on and we're just like, oh, you know, it's nothing kind of get through it, but it's like some serious yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was those types of things also happened in my family, but I think, mm. you know, what, what our family, um, and maybe in other people's families that we don't always often talk about, um, things that we suffer with, you know, when it comes to, 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 especially women's health, you know, we, we don't talk about if our periods are light, if they're heavy, if there's pain with those periods, if that's normal or it's not normal, it's just like, okay, well, maybe your period's just heavier this month. It's, it, it was never those conversations that were had. And I, and before getting fibroids, I did not know that there were other women in my family that were suffering with fibroids. Mm. I thought I, you know, I thought I was the first one. And actually, um, I'm, I'm an identical twin. My sister was the first one to um, find out that she had fibroids. So, of course, I did my oh. due diligence after speaking with her, like, well, genetically, we are the same person. You know, let me make sure that I am okay because I am experiencing some of these things that you are um, experiencing as well. And come to find out, I absolutely did have them. So, yeah, that, that was really surprising to me. So I make sure, you know, um, when I'm speaking to, especially my oldest daughter, that these are things, you know, you're in your young 20s that you really need to make sure, you know, when you're having those annual appointments and whatnot, that you really need to um, stress this because, you know, it, it could be something that um, you're going to uh, struggle with because you're predisposed because I was. <laughs> All right. Mm -hmm. And also, before we continue, um, can you explain what thyroids are for those who don't know? 
Um, fibroids basically are small tumors. They could be um, both non-cancerous or cancerous. Um, they, they, my in particular, were growing al along my um, fallopian tubes. Um, I had one that actually, I think they ended up removing seven. They were very, very small. The smallest being the size of my pinky nail. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but they can cause a lot of havoc. Um, they cause me to um, feel bloated all the time. They cause me to have irregular periods and very heavy periods um, that would keep me in bed. You know, um, they cause a little bit of weight gain for me um, because I'm carrying all these things <laughs> inside and I did not mm -hmm. know what they were. I just assumed, you know, because when a woman gets her monthly, you know, these are symptoms that, are, that we get, you know, so yeah. if no one... If I, yeah, you know, if I wasn't really educated about, I've heard about fibroids, but it just wasn't one of those conversations where I really knew a lot about it. I just, like I said, I, I was silently suffering. And um, so that's what fibroids are. And um, they can cause fertility issues, which they did for me um, later on in life. And that's um, one of the biggest problems because we're finding out that there are young women who are not even thinking about having kids yet, but they're causing a lot of issues when it comes to fertility, you know, because mm -hmm. they're blocking their fallopian tubes. Um, you may not be able to carry a child. There's so many things like endometriosis that, that are, are correlated. It's such a layered thing. And I don't think there's enough conversation being had about how to prevent this. If it's environmental, is it a uh, genetic disposition? Is it all the above? So um, it's something definitely when black women are being um, affected the most, it is definitely a conversation that needs to be had and, and something that we really need to make sure that we're including in these discussions when we go to our uh, gynecologist appointments. Right. Yeah, for real, because those symptoms are things that could like easily be written off. It's just like normal, like, oh, I don't know. It's just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. I don't know which one's like, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, that's very interesting. And that's, mm -hmm. I think that I'm really glad you shared that because I think, um, and I mean, you know this, but like when it comes to like going to healthcare um, specialists and everything, oftentimes, and I would say probably more so for black women for what I've heard, but um, just people aren't being taken seriously. It's just kind of they written off like, oh, it's just this pain. Like, oh, it's just like, like you say, heavy period this month, you know, just maybe take this and go on about your business. Exactly, because it, it, it takes me back to, uh, I remember with, with one particular doctor, um, they tried to sort of write it off in that way for me, like, oh, no, it's just, just, just normal. Maybe you're a little stressed. I'm like, dude, I'm not stressed. <laughs> I mm -hmm. think I know what I'm stressed. I said, this is not normal. This is, this is not something that um, seems normal, you know, and right. um, I had to advocate and I really had to push and I had to somewhat say, listen, if you're not going to listen to me, I will find someone who will. And um, that's exactly what I did. And I ended up finding um, a doctor on my journey to, you know, um, dealing with the fibroids who looked like me and she totally understood and took the time and went over and beyond. So I was blessed in that way. Um, but that doesn't happen for everybody. And I did not feel until I met um, her that um, I was really being taken seriously. And the funny story behind that, this particular doctor, um, her name is Dr. Bud. She's a triplet. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, right. And every one, she's a triplet. So she's a, um, 
endocrinologist. She has another sister that does something else in the medical field and another one that's like this big time engineer. So their parents did a wonderful job with them. But the funny Dr. Butts was the intern when I gave birth to my oldest daughter. Whoa. How strange is that? Do you think that was Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely meant to be. Life definitely, when people say life definitely comes full circle, that was the irony in it all. And she definitely opened my eyes and and put me on on a path to, you know, really take um, your life and your health a bit more serious. Not that I was suffering from anything other, but I think sometimes when when, when you're, when, when you're going through the, um, the, you know, your, your youth, sometimes we feel like we're a little bit invincible and we'll just keep pushing and, you know, we won't really take things seriously until it's a little bit too late. And that's kind of what happened to me until it was a point of contention in my life because, you know, I was trying to have a child and it was affecting that process. Um, that's when I really started to really pay, pay serious attention to it. And, um, yeah, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. Listen up, everyone. I know you've been asking about how you can support besides listening, and it's been a minute, but I finally have something for you. You can now join me in the Boss Locks Village. It's a Patreon group that you could join to get exclusive content, be the first to find out about new shows, and even find opportunities to be a part of the show. There's a lot of cool things that I'm ready to do, excited to launch, and the Boss Locks Village will be the first place to hear about it. So once again... Um, go to bosslocks.org and look for the link to learn how to join. But you'll want to act fast because the very first three people to join the village and leave a podcast review will get a free, never-before-seen, original Boss Lock shirt. And I mean really new. Like, it's not even on our site yet. So, right now, stop what you're doing. Go to bosslocks.org. That is B-O-S-S-L-O-C-K-S dot org to learn how to join. Thank you. Now back to our show. Yeah, man. Do you, so I think it's so interesting that you not only said, no, this is serious and this is not what you'd like to the first doctor who wrote Mm -hmm. you off. And not only do you say, no, you need to take me seriously, but you went out and sought uh, another opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, do you know, like, what was it that made you uh, feel strongly about what you're experiencing and kind of gave you the confidence to be like, no, this is not right. I need to, I need someone else. I, I definitely listened to my body and intuition. Something said, you know, you've been dealing with this for a long time. You start to put things into perspective and I just could not ignore it anymore. I knew and I felt that something was wrong. My body was telling me that something was wrong. I wasn't feeling well, you know. Um, you know, my, I have this bloated stomach and I'm working out every day. I'm not used to this bloated stomach, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I got six packs here. Right, right now I'm looking like I'm two months pregnant and for what? I'm eating healthy <laughs> There's no reason I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not eating a lot of dairy, those things that would bloat my stomach, you know, you know, understand what I'm saying. So I knew that something was wrong and I was fearful that it was like maybe like cancer. So for a minute, I, I kind of, you know, had to toy with that idea. But thank God it was not. It was fibroids. Um, you know, the, 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 the um, fibroids were not cancerous. They were um, simply removed. There was one particular fibroid that... Um, 
that was blocking um, one of my tubes. And the way the doctor uh, uh, described it when they were doing the surgery to remove them is that it was like a straw. Imagine if you pinched a straw and then mm-hmm. you took your fingers off and it just opens again. That's what my tube did. So it was the fibroids. They, they, that was one of the things that was preventing me, you know, from, from conceiving, but you know, it's just, I had to listen to my body. No one's going to tell me (laughs) when I'm not feeling well, that it's kind of like in my head and to just keep writing it off. What if it was cancer? That time is of the essence, you know, a stage one can turn into a stage four. So it's unfortunate that for whatever reason, um, we are sort of written off or um, they, it's the stereotypes that we don't feel pain or women are emotional and we're making these things up. And I think when it comes to black women and especially when the doctors don't look like us, that sometimes, unfortunately, those biases, those stereotypes and those prejudices um, do come through when they are providing, when they should be providing new medical services and they should be making sure that they're going over and beyond and they should be listening to you because guess what? You are paying them <laughs> and you are going to True. them because you are not a doctor. You know, you know that you feel that something's wrong. So tell me something, you know? So it was right. unfortunate. It worked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point. You know, we, we are paying them, whether we come back with any solution or any further um advancement in what we're trying to figure out like they're going to come to you with that bill afterwards so it might as well be with for something right right mm-hmm. yeah so i realize i'm in the dark we just got super dark outside it's crazy you're gonna go through another thunderstorm there you go <laughs> yep. all right man okay so that that's really cool i think it'd be really cool to have um, the black doctors kind of come together and put together this checklist of things mm-hmm. that we need to ask when we go get our um, kind of physicals or regular checkups done. You do. And, you know, we, we don't have to stand for someone who is not taking us seriously. Like I said, you know, we have families who love us. We, we have things we need to do. Life is precious. And I think we all should be we all should be valued and it's to be treated in such a way um, where you feel dismissed and undervalued. is It's just unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's um, it's funny. I mean, that's part of why like this uh, podcast exists, because it was um, I mean, of course, mostly in regards to like job interviews, but just like with the knowledge that companies at a federal level, they could legally just dismiss you just based on your hair type is um, it's one's ridiculous. It's disrespectful, but it does a lot more than just like reject you from this job application when you're being dismissed in any um, sort of field, they could get to you and start to over time, just eat away at your, um, how you look at yourself and your self esteem. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, I used to work in human resources and I, I, I saw it um, all the time. Um, I've had, you know, people, <laughs> you know, directors come to me and say when a, um, you know, young man or woman is wearing their hair natural that, um, oh, I can't send them to this floor because that's where all the execs are and their hair looks unkempt. You're telling a black person that another black person, her brother, sister, <laughs> really, right. you know, so then, you know, I have to remind them, we work in HR. Do you realize what you just said? Mm-hmm. You know, and it just became this thing for me where 
I'm too real of a person and I don't care if I lose my darn job or not. I'm going to let you know when wrong is wrong <laughs> and right is right. <laughs> I, you, know, you understand what I'm saying? And then it's like this thing, do I pull this person to the side and give them this, this, this tea, you know, cause you want to, you know, we want to stay united, you know, um, or am I doing too much or like, how can I, quote unquote, warn this person that these types of discussions are being had about them. But then on the other hand, it's like, it's fair. Why are you people so offended when you have people who are not black coming in here with piercings, tattoos, green hair, purple hair, shaved off hair, looking like they just rolled out of bed, but we can't wear our hair the way <laughs> it grows right. in our hair, regardless of texture. I, I just... I, I I just could not understand it, and um, I had to exit. <laughs> you know, right. the resources field. Um, it, it just and just the whole administrative business environment. That's always been the environment that I've worked in. I've done many different types of positions, but that was just that was that was the last. Human resources was the last period of of, of employment for me, and. Right. I just was like I, it's just nothing's changing. I, I'm involved. I'm evolving, and um, mm -mm. <laughs> right, not, I can't sit here and be a part of this any longer. It's 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 some of the things. It's serious. People would some people may not be surprised, but some people would be really surprised. Those conversations that are being had about you and your hair, <laughs> as you mm. know, as a, as, a, as a black person. But I think for me. Um, in the workplace, I never directly um, had someone say anything about my hair, but I will say, um, in, in as far as like changing it or anything, but I, I have been, and I call it a victim because I really think this is a form of harassment that no one wants to talk about. When someone comes up to you, you have box braids, they want to touch your hair, or you come in with your locks, they want to touch your hair, or they want to ask all these questions. How did, how long did that take, this, that, and the third? That's harassment. This is not, this is not what we're supposed to be doing at work. And when mm -hmm. other people come in with a haircut, you're not walking up on them in their personal space you know, asking these questions, reaching your hand out without permission, um, taking valuable minutes of my work day when I need to be working, <laughs> asking <Right. laughs> questions about my hair. And for some people, it's not that serious. But for me, it's that serious because if we're going to um, condemn people and punish people and fire people and have laws to protect people against sexual harassment, why can't we be protected about our hair? It's, 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 it's not nice. It's, and it's, it's very stressful. It was very stressful to me because sometimes I was, when I lived in the Midwest, I was the only black person in the building, you know? Right. So not just one person coming. I got to deal with about 25 people <laughs> every right, day. Whole company. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And now I'm thinking when I go get my hair done, what am I going to do to prevent that? And that that's just, we got enough <laughs> things on our shoulders as, you know, black men and women than to have to go to work and deal with one more thing like that. Like, it's, it just gets to a point where it's ridiculous, but. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> Very true, man. Yeah, I, I like the way you put it. It really is harassment. Um, I think people, when they hear, hear certain words, they just automatically associate it with one um, type of action or behavior, but harassment, um, 
as a whole just involves so many different things that we just don't even was even thinking about. And I definitely agree here. Um, just the way people approach, observe, interact around other people's hair is just ridiculous. And specifically how they act around black people's hair. Like I like, yeah, I've definitely been the one black person in certain environments, like most of my life until I moved to Atlanta. But um, yeah, it's just the, um, the entitlement, I think, that kind of comes with it. And they'll just say whatever, like, oh, wow, it's just like carpet. I think like before I had locks and my hair is just kind of short, they're just like, yeah, just like carpet. I mean, these were like younger people, but yeah, people just say whatever, especially when they just don't, are not around black people a lot. Like they just say whatever. It's almost like a little kid that um, (laughs) has just like met with all these toys and they go crazy like, oh my God. You know, you get to a point where there used to be a point where I would try to be nice, but then as I as I age and, and as as I experience this more and more, I'm like, why am I shielding them for their ignorance? You understand what I'm saying? Like, why am I being apologetic? Why am I allowing myself to be um, felt uh, to be made to be to, to feel uncomfortable? Maybe I should just give a little of that energy back. So I would sort of make them feel uncomfortable, you know, and I would I would start these discussions with people to help them understand that, you know what, you just don't walk up to people culturally. That's that's unacceptable. We 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 you know, like black people, we don't do that. If you want to touch my hair, just like you would be speaking to a preschool, you know, uh student. If you would like to touch my hair, if you have any questions, then do that. You don't reach out and and touch my hair. This is my personal space. You make it makes me feel uncomfortable. Please don't do that. And that's how I, I would make and you would see they would turn all every shade of red. And it wasn't that I was being rude, but you don't understand how rude and how intrusive your behavior is to me. So I'm just supposed to take it and answer all your questions and quote unquote black explain <laughs> everything about my hair. I, 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 no, I just, as I got older, I, I began to say, no, that is not fair for me. It's not fair for me to just accept it. It's not acceptable because if I don't tell you, then the next person may not react as <laughs> calmly as I'm acting. So not only am I giving you an education, which once again is not my responsibility, but I'm going to grant you this this, this one time, you know, mm-hmm. but um, I'm also maybe saving you a butt whooping in the, in the <laughs> you know, in the future because everyone is not okay and, and everyone is not comfortable with that. And like you, to your point, um, where does that come from, this privilege that you can just, touch us like we're animals in the zoo. Or maybe that's the problem. Maybe they don't equate us with being human. Maybe they they do some subconsciously feel that they have the right to do that, but you don't, you know, you don't. I can't, wouldn't it be weird if I just walked up to you and touched your hair? <laughs> like I, and I right. don't know you, washed your hands. I, I mean, no, it's just, it's just strange. It's a strange behavior, but it continues to happen. And I think it happens out of curiosity, but um, I, I do think that, People need to be checked, you know, on that. It's it's very yeah, I agree with you because there's nothing wrong with asking questions, kind of like you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing wrong. And, like, I'm fine talking about hair and explaining certain things. But oh. it's, yeah, I think people really, you're right, kind of need to get checked and realize it's funny that they don't just 
realizes naturally, but um, yes. understand that, you know, not everyone is okay with everything. Like I actually, even me, like I'm usually fine talking about my hair, but not with just anybody. It's like, it's very contextual. It's about that relationship, exactly. especially in the workplace too. Like if I don't even yeah. know you. Like, right. I have stuff to do. Why yeah. are we still here tomorrow? Yeah. It's strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing uh, you mentioned is like when you started to kind of say no more um, and decided to not like straight up make people uncomfortable, but kind of give some of that energy back. Um, how were those, like, what were those interactions like? Um, for some people, they were very um, embarrassed and apologetic because they did not think about it. It was a genuine curiosity because it's something different than what they are used to. And like you said, when especially when you're in a, when you're in a space where there is not a lot of black people and maybe they don't have enough interactions or have um, made a friendship or have some type of rapport where someone can sort of um, answer those questions and, and, and sort of um, dim those curiosities, they, they sort of got ahead of themselves. <laughs> And they just, oh, it's here, and oh my gosh, and let me let me touch it, you know, kind of like a kid in a candy store. But um, then there were some people who got a bit of, a, of an attitude, but I mean, that's not my problem. You're not going to invade my um, space because you had no problem and you cared, you cared nothing about how that made me feel. It makes me, to, for me personally, it makes me feel less than that. Like you said, you didn't even respect me enough to. Um, to ask just a, a question or to ask permission to touch or, you know what I mean? You just did it as if, so what? And no, so I, why am I, we have to get away from that space where we, we want to be apologetic all the time. And I have, you know, friends, you know, who are black friends who those types of um, situations, it just doesn't bother them. It's, oh, it's not that deep. It, just let them touch your hair. No, I, you do what you do. <laughs> I'm going to do what I do. I don't think it's comfortable. And in the sad thing, you know, even like with my five-year-old, we all have different hair textures in here. Um, my five-year-old has like more of a finer spirally type of texture of hair. And I mean, I'm trying to get through the line in, in the, um, in the uh, uh, drugstore and a woman of Indian, Indian descent, she's a woman from India, said to me, is that her natural curls? Is that her natural hair? I'm like, dude, she's five. Yes. Right. <laughs> her hair because they only have one um, idea about what our hair is. It has to be one texture. Um, our, you know, it has to look one way. And I guess she could not. She didn't understand that. No, we can. Our, we're, our hair is just as diverse as anyone else. You know, we can have kinks, we can have coils, we can have straight hair, wavy hair, long hair, short hair. Like, it, it just was like, okay, of course right. my father is not understanding this, but I'm understanding this. And I'm like, when she gets old enough to understand the context nature of what just happened, how is she going to internalize that, that, that interaction? It's not a good one. Because now you begin to question, well, why did, why, why did she say that to me? Why would she assume that... Um, because my hair is naturally this way and um, why, why, why would she assume that it's not mine? Or why would she question this? Or why would she question that? And it becomes this whole thing that kids should not even have to 
discuss or think about. You know, when you're a kid, it's all about being fun, correct? And learning. Um, but, you know, right. people um, unintentionally and, and with their ignorance and stereotyping place these negative um, things, you know, and messages that, you know, to, to, to our children. And then here we are as adults discussing <laughs> natural air, you know, and how right. we have navigate the world with it and it's, it's such an unfortunate thing and I think this is one of the other reasons what made me want to focus more on the younger children because I think that's where a lot of these negative messages are internalized much more than those pop the, the positive messages when it comes to our hair that's very true very very true I know um yeah, I remember there's all sorts of conversations like when I was younger, I had with my cousin just talking about like hair and like just comparing our hair to like um, like the white kids' hair and everything like that. Um, it's it's deep, and like as kids, like you only you're like still just learning about the world, so sometimes you can't yeah. even be like, no, it shouldn't be that way. You're just like, okay, this is how it is. I don't, I'm not like this. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it, it yeah. makes you feel up like 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 you're an alien kind of that's you know like you're different from everybody else when you're you know and when you're a kid like you said you just it's you don't even i don't think we really we focus on those things when we're a kid everyone okay you want to play trucks you want to go to the playground let's go no one's caring you know what your hair looks like what color you are you know these things are learned um behaviors but i don't think people realize when it comes to our children that those types of, of experiences definitely affects our self-esteem and the way that we operate because we, we get it from all directions, man, you know, and it's, mm -hmm. it's just important, you know, that it starts that young. Yeah. So in your work, because you're also a hair coach, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, um, well, I guess before I ask this, um, can you explain like what exactly a hair coach is or what do you do as a hair coach? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely what I do, um, as, as a hair coach, um, I, I deal specifically with people who are trying to either um, move into their natural hair journey. They're trying to figure out the best way to begin that process. Um, I deal with um, multicultural families where you have a mother or a father who um, is trying to learn how to um, care for their children's hair that is unlike their own. Um, or people who are in their natural hair journey and um, trying to figure out, you know, what's the best products um, to use on their hair, um, how to better care for it, grow for it, uh, grow it rather, um, you know, and so it's all these different conversations that are um, going on. Uh, and also just, you know, to, to um, build children's self-esteem and their parents' self-esteem because there's a lot that we don't understand about our natural hair. So these are the types of conversations that, that happen because it's funny to think, well, it's your hair. Don't you know how to care for it? No, we don't. If we're, if we're spending our whole lives altering it for various reasons um, to survive <laughs> in this <laughs> environment um, and with this culture that defines what is beautiful and what's acceptable, um, then you don't really know. You don't know what's what's underneath that relaxer. You don't really know um, if you're wearing wigs and all you do is wash your hair and braid it back and then you actually are forced to deal with your natural texture. It, it's, it's hard. It's an adjustment. Um, you know, it, there's different 
you know, curl patterns and there's different, you know, um, high porosity versus low porosity, you know, which means that there may be different products that may work for one that does not work for you. You know, like I, I mentioned, my daughter has more of a finer texture, but she's definitely a 4A, 4B girl with maybe some finer textures mixed in, but I can't use like heavy, like heavy oils and things on her hair because it will like just weigh down her hair. You know, my other daughter, um, you know, her hair is, is thicker and a little bit more of a, a coily, kinkier texture. So we, there's different things that she can get. I have all three, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I, I, you know, so on certain sections of my hair, I may have to do something different. So these are the types of things it's trial and error. It's, it's, um, teaching parents, you know, cause I have a lot of mothers who, who work, you know, in corporate America where they have to wear wigs, they have to wear weaves because that, that environment does not welcome natural hair. And it's this belief that, hey, if you want to move up, you have to conform and you have to change your hair, but yet you're telling your children, you know, you have to, you know, celebrate your natural beauty, but you're not. So um, I'm a big right. believer that children are, um, they become what they live. So some people have gone on that journey to say, look, I'm coming to work. I am performing everything that is being asked of me. My hair should not determine my success. And they have made a decision to rid themselves of the wigs, you know, um, of the weaves, of the relaxers, and enjoy and learn and take that journey along with their children. So, um, and just because I, you know, I'm, I, I, I preach natural hair, love your natural self. I'm, I, I look. I've, I've, I've fried, dyed, and laid my hair to the side in the past. So I've done it all. But I, I just think, you know, we have to get to a point <laughs> where, you know, you have to be comfortable um, in your own skin. And um, especially when you become a parent, not now it's not just about you. You know, it's about, you know, um, being the best example of um, what you want your children to sort of become. And, and, and to feel good about mm -hmm. it, and how can I tell you, you, you know, to do one thing and I'm doing something that's totally the opposite. I don't, I, I think that they would always sort of contradict, you know, what you're telling them, <laughs> you know, so, you know, but it's, that's, right. that's basically what I do with the coaching there. So. Hmm. Very cool. What an incredible service too. You get like a lot just through. It's so interesting how, like when you speak about natural hair, um, on a few episodes ago uh, with Thando Cafele, uh, he was talking about how um, he's a, technically he is a loctician and stylist, but really calls himself a self-esteem specialist. Mm -hmm. And he says that when he talks about natural hair, he always says like he cannot and will not talk about natural hair without talking about the culture and the meaning mm -hmm. behind it, because you really, it's almost like doing a disservice. Like you could tell people use this products, use this, but there's so much more with it just in everyday life, society, and also just how it can really um, heal everything else um, with it, your body as well. Yeah, it definitely is because I think for us, and this is why it's, I think anybody can relate to loving yourself and appreciating your natural self. But I think when it comes to specifically Black people that, um, and I say Black people purposely because... <laughs> this is this is who i am i'm black and mm -hmm. i um and i'm going to use that word because it's my voice and i and i feel that sometimes as a writer and as a advocate and as a as a coach 
I am the voice for, for people who are not brave enough to speak. And I think that there really is a mindset and it is a mindset that has to be shifted because we are living in a society that tells us that there's something wrong with our hair. Um, I don't know too many other groups that have actual laws being enacted to say that this is wrong, <laughs> to let us wear our natural hair. Why am I being told that I have to cover my hair up and alter it just to conform? Um, so it is definitely before I begin coaching with people, there is a lot of discussions about um, what do you think about natural hair? Where are some of the words that were used you know, by your parents, um, what were some of your experiences? Because it's a painful experience. It's a painful experience, you know, um, so painful. I don't even like to really personally use the word nappy because it mm. triggers me. <laughs> right. In a way because it was used um, so much in my family. And I know, you know, they that's how they grew up and it was okay. And it's just what we say as black folk, but, Nah, man, that really took um, the whole nappy, good hair. Uh, uh, I can't, <laughs> I can't. It just triggers me in a way um, because it it really chips away at your self esteem. It makes you feel okay because if I don't quote unquote have this texture hair that that's being referred to as good hair, am I bad? Right. You know, am I not beautiful? Is my hair not beautiful? You know, um, and so you it, it it begins this cycle of of of, of pain and um, self esteem, and then we start laying those things with colorism. You know, it, it just it's it's a lot. It's a lot that I don't think other people have to deal with as much as we do, and we have to sort of peel back the layers before we can get to you know, the basic stuff, you know, like products and things, because you have, you have to open up because you can't shift if you don't understand the trauma. And when you are told all the time that there's something wrong with your hair, especially for us girls who fall into the, to that four, 4A, 4B <laughs> stuff, you know, mm -hmm. we, I, I think sometimes it, there's a lot there, you know, there's a lot yeah. there that be un unleashed in and spoken and spoken about so you can release some of that and it opens up the space to, to really feel the freedom to appreciate your hair not to care what other people say you can dispose all myths and all those feelings that put you in this bag of you know I, you know i have to do this and do that to my hair to, to be accepted and to feel beautiful so though that is the main thing that i do first because we got we got to we got we got to talk about it all we can't just talk about okay I'm, I'm ready to start my natural hair journey okay but why are you doing it why are we here what what, what are your viewpoints because it, when you don't deal with those things it's so easy to go back to doing some of those you know old things like you know wearing wigs or relaxing it or you know, being feeling ashamed if you do the big chop to start your natural hair journey. Now you're feeling because my hair is not longer anymore. If I don't have silky hair, a silky wig on, or whatever, now I'm feeling like I, I, I look like a dude. <laughs> you know, um, or because there's studies that say when Black women make make this transition into wearing their natural hair, there's two factors. Usually, it's their, the, the opinion of their significant other or the type of career that they've chosen that determines a lot of, of why a black woman chooses to, to enter into this natural hair journey or not. Interesting. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm.
I didn't realize that, but it makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of stories about just your relationships where a certain partner, they're like, no, don't change your hair like this. You look ugly or like this mm -hmm. or that. Um, yeah, it's a lot of toxicity out there all it around. Is. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, cool. And I liked what you were saying about words and like the certain words you will not use um, mm -hmm. from like using black and say that people of color or persons of color. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, on that, I feel like everyone, I feel like persons of color, people of color is good as a way like to like everyone come together for certain causes. Mm -hmm. But we start having conversations about hair. It's very important to say things like black. Um, I think yeah. every culture should use their own um, um, kind of races specifically because it gives a lot more energy and clarity yeah. to the issues and the experience that's happening. Mm -hmm. yeah. I agree. Especially like with the um, the Crown Act. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that bill, that touches everybody. That's, mm -hmm. um, it's all encompassing and it comes from the black experience. So when you start to get yeah. specific, then you can really go broader out. Just like you were saying, like, once you kind of get specific to that issue, get to the roots of it, then you can start going into, okay, now these are the products you use and, um, you don't have to worry about going back. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I have, uh, another question with you about words, um, yeah. or two. Do you, um, one thing I think is interesting is when, um, so with this podcast, I'm starting to have more conversations with people from like mm -hmm. all different races. And one word I keep hearing is um, ethnic, like our hair being referred to as ethnic hair. And yeah. I definitely have some thoughts about it, but I just wanted to hear, um, when you hear that, like what kind of comes to mind? Um, For me, it, it goes right back to the point I made earlier that it makes us feel different because you would be surprised to know that curly haired white women use the same products that we use, but are they considered ethnic? Why are we making it a, uh, <laughs> a separation hair is hair, a product should be a product and it should be put on the shelves accordingly. Um, another thing, I think it's another way to police us because unfortunately when you go into some drugstores in particular communities, those items are locked. Now, I think Walmart just, they were dragged really hard about doing this. And I believe that they are changing their policies and they are not allowed to lock their quote unquote ethnic products anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I think it's problematic. Um, I think it, it, it creates this division and it's something that people don't want to really address and talk about. Um, but I feel if I'm going to be paying my money, I'm not going anywhere where, um, I feel my products have to be put on a different shelf and furthermore locked away mm. from me. <laughs> um, I feel, like I said, you know, I, I know curly hair, our curly hair white sisters, they use some of the same products that I use. Who knew? But they're not mm -hmm. considered ethnic and, and they're, they're coming here buying the same thing. So it's it speaks something differently to me, maybe because I'm somewhere different in my journey than others. I pay attention to all things and I come from a school of, if we're going to talk about it, um, we're going to talk about it all. We have to hit all these issues. It does not make me feel good. It makes me, it's like if, you, like if I go into the drugstore, say if I figured, oh, I, I, I ran out of this particular product, nothing's open at the moment and I run over to the corner uh, drugstore it's funny because they'll point you right over there to the ethnic section. Did I tell you I wanted? You don't know what I wanted. 
<laughs> you know, just because I, I'm, you, you see what I'm saying? So, right. <laughs> and then now, now I'm pissed off, <laughs> you know, like it's annoying. Right. I, like, I, I didn't even tell you, ma'am or sir, what I wanted. You just assume because I'm a black woman that I'm going over here to this ethnic section and see what I mean? And, and it just feeds off of this, all these things that we've been talking about for this whole interview. It just feeds and ties right back into this discussion, like, what are people thinking? Why are people so uptight about this thing? We would think it's as simple as hair, but it's not. It ties into racism. It ties into sexism. It ties into colorism. It ties into white supremacy. It, it, standards of beauty. It's, oh my God, why does it something that, that is so simple have to be so complex all the freaking time? And then people want to wonder why we get mad <laughs> and upset, you know, because we are digesting these things every single day of our lives. And it's not get over it. It's not stop whining. These are issues that really need to be addressed. And because it's not something that you experience or you don't feel that it's a big deal, it is for us. It's stressful, people. It's stressful. It, it's very stressful to have to deal with that um, every single day of your life, even when you're doing simple things. So yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm not really with that, and I'm I'm hoping that more retailers um, move in that direction that um, Walmart did because it, it, it all of us aren't okay with that. The hair yeah. products are hair product. Use what you use. What is it? What you know? What is ethnic? What does that mean? That to me, that's just like saying what normal is. What is normal? <laughs> you know, right. almost. I mean, what does that mean? It's just one of those those coin terms that just it, it's just annoying and it's stupid. And let's do it. Let's let's get rid of those types of things. Yeah, and also it's like being used improperly because um, I think the actual definition is just meaning a subgroup of the larger group. So, yeah. like white people uh, can be considered ethnic as well. But, yeah, it's yeah. Me. There you go. It, it is just it's just silly. And I'm like, well, if you're gonna go there, then just say say um, black, <laughs> black right. hair. Like, I would like, love I, for it to be black hair. Call it that. <laughs> I like. I mean, if you're gonna go there and be and, you know be rude, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's it's just. I just think that we become. I think some of this nonsense just becomes so normalized for us that we just accept it if it's conscious or unconscious, or it's like, I notice it, but what can I do? You know, mm -hmm. um, well, if you're working every day, making that money, you go in here and, and you're patronizing these stores, then you have a voice. You better write that. <laughs> you better write that CEO. You mm -hmm. know, don't just put up with things, you know, we, we should, we should be valued. Our dollars should be valued. Our experiences should be valued, you know? So that's my take on it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Listen up, everyone. I know you've been asking about how you can support besides listening, and it's been a minute, but I finally have something for you. You can now join me in the Boss Locks Village. It's a Patreon group that you could join to get exclusive content, be the first to find out about new shows, and even find opportunities to be a part of the show. There's a lot of cool things that I'm ready to do, excited to launch, and the Boss Locks Village will be the first place to hear about it. So once again... Um, go to bosslocks.org and look for the link to learn how to join. But you'll want to act fast because the very first three people to join the village and leave a podcast review will get a free, never-before-seen, original Boss Locks shirt. And I mean really new. Like, it's not even on our site yet. So, 
right now stop what you're doing go to bosslocks.org that is b-o-s-s-l-o-c-k-s dot org to learn how to join thank you now back to our show and i'm glad you shared um the um what you said about uh walmart changing their policies and it's so interesting because it made me realize like that's just a prime example of something like a simple decision that was made um, for whatever reasons, but it forces you to actually go and basically ask for permission to um, to use the tools and products to continue your natural journey. So it's like, right. once again, another way for Black people to have to ask for permission from um, yeah. authority it- figures. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have people like, oh, you make everything. It's not that I make everything so deep, but we can't just blindly do things, you know, because I feel like we're we're moving in a direction where people are feeling more comfortable with protesting, like their feelings about their their personal experiences. But I also think there's certain points, uh, um, you know, of contention that people just don't want to discuss either. Like, I don't feel like you can just pick and choose. This is not like, um, uh, what is it called when you go into a restaurant, like all you can eat? It's not like a smorgasbord, Mm -hmm. you know, where, okay, I'm just going to eat some salad here. I'm going to eat a little chicken over here. No, man, like we have to, (laughs) you know, (laughs) all these things are correlated. Like we have to stop making things as if they're simple. Just because maybe one issue isn't big enough for you, it is for someone else. And we're all in this together and we have to respect that. And in order to fight and to evoke change, I think it all has to be dealt with. You know, it has to be dealt with. We can't pick and choose because I feel when you when you cherry pick, I feel that it makes it harder to find solutions to correct the problem. Mm. Mm, that's a good point. Because yeah, I when you just know. kind of pick the things you think you could do, like I, I could deal with this, I'll just only tackle that. Yeah, because yeah. there's not one unified consensus on it all. You you understand? Because then when you start to cherry pick, then you got a group over here that feels this way. Then you got a group over here. Like I hear people joke around and and, and, and call <laughs> people the shea butters. You know, the shea butters are the people. <laughs> like I guess we're shea butters. Well, I haven't heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're shea butters. You know, because we're over right. here talking about natural hair and this, that, and locks, and you know, yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll be shade, I'll be that, you know. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying, you know, it puts us in these these pocketed groups, you know, and sometimes it it makes it that much harder to have a unified front and 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 bring all of these issues and these thoughts and these experiences to the forefront. Like I said, to evoke change, and, 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 it, and it makes it very difficult, and um. That's why I don't like that. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a person that we're going to talk about it. Um, let's talk about it all. You know, I don't have to agree with everything. Who cares? Okay, you, you believe something else, or this, what I believe strongly is not that deep for you. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. But it's, but we, we both are black, and we, we both share the same experiences. There's a lot of common experiences that we share, and um, but hey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that we can't still support one another, even if you know, our, our, um, our opinions are, are different or our points of views are different. You know, I don't like that. You know, it, it causes a lot of division. And I think that's why there's a lot of difficulty when it comes to discussing these types of issues amongst us, you know, and why it's right. much easier for those people who are not black to make decisions for us. And that's never, right. that's never good when you make decisions for us as a group and you don't even understand 
the, you know, <laughs> the context and the experience. So um, I think we need more of a unified front when it comes to these um, experiences so we can come up with solutions and then present them and try to make, you know, it better for the, you know, right. for our baby, for us, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that reminds me of um, when was I think like two or three weeks ago, and man, I'm drawing a blank on the actual name of the company, but TI. Um, there's a insurance company that insures things like like uh, singers' voices, oh. and they're huge and global, like like definitely off my level. Um, but they've been around for so long that they actually insured um, slave owners, basically if slave owners lost yeah yeah lord of london yeah and i just loved um he was on the interview with the breakfast club and he's talking about how he he reached out to a whole bunch of people just asked their opinions on this and this so kind of like a commutative um effort to send Mm -hmm. out this letter kind of demanding like okay so you've apologized for your hand in this so now let's talk about how you're going to uh, make up for that um kind of a way to hold people accountable and just like you said, like he could have just gone out there and just did it himself. Like, no, I'm just going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. This is how it needs to be done. But he might have missed a huge point. So, but yeah. he reached out to a whole bunch of people, and together they came out stronger yep. and made yep. like national headlines. Have um, Forbes talking about it? Yep, mm-hmm. yep. See, that's that's what we we have to do more more of. But I I, I see it happening. But you know, mm-hmm. we still are in this space. Sometimes I feel we're this is what I think. And this is, uh, no one's going, <laughs> you know, right. no one's mind. I'm like, nah, that's no good. That's no good dog. That's no good. <laughs> we, we have to do a little bit better than that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about, you know, and, and, and he has a, a large platform, say what you want, but he does, he has a large platform and people listen and things right. happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back to, your um, time in HR, um, you mentioned that you would just end up being kind of fed up and having to leave. Um, what were, I, I think like the role of being in HR is so interesting because we think of it as like them having a lot of power, but really at the end of the day, they're employees as well. And they kind of have to answer to other people. Um, what was, can you, can you share a little bit more about your experience and why you ended up deciding to leave? I think whenever you um, go into a particular profession, we sort of um, have this idealistic (laughs) viewpoint of what that is going to be until you actually get into it and you begin to see that it is not anything um, like you thought. Because I'm thinking, oh, HR, it's nice. People, you're giving people opportunities. You're meeting new people. You're watching people start from the bottom, going all the way to the top, but no. You don't think about all of the legalities. Um, you don't think about um, all, when you, when you think about you don't think about um, people's personal situations that affect them in the workplace and how another person can view that as BS. Um, they can use it against them when it comes to them being ill. It, um, it, it comes to the hiring, firing, or promoting of, of a person. You never stop to really think. It's not, and, it, and these aren't things that you don't know, but you just maybe don't think about it you, because you have these high expectations about what you're, how you're going to be able to come in there and do this and do that. And um, 
and it becomes a sour grape. You ever hear someone say, oh, um, I, I want to go into social work or something like that and because I want to help people. But then once they get in there or a teacher, then you find out it's all about the money. It's not about the students. It's mm -hmm. not about people who are suffering. It's a business. And I think <laughs> that is kind of what happened because when you come and you start trying to help people because HR is supposed to be, have your, they're supposed to have your back, correct? And when you begin to go through the process with people, um, regardless of what the problem or issue is at the moment, the employment lawyers, the HR directors, um, the unions are all in the pocket of the company. Mm. And when I, when I begin to sort of, you know, kind of peep that game, I was disgusted. I was floored. Um, inappropriate conversations that you know, if, if it was brought to the forefront, would be grounds for employment discrimination. Um, you know, people being sick with terminal illnesses and you're harassing them, they're trying to heal and take care of themselves and you're harassing them when they're coming back and threatening that if they don't come back in, in this way or that way or forcing people to, um, you know, sign paperwork, you know, um, for particular types of leaves that they should, you, you, you can't do those things. But right. when I always tell people, and it's, and, it's, and it's also on the other hand, it's surprising to me when people get hired that when that policy book is given to you, that people don't even read it. They just they just want a job. They don't read anything. Right. So it's easy when you don't read and you don't know what those policies are, if it comes to dress codes, if it comes to um, different types of leave, like maternity leaves, if you're ill, insurance, um, what's appropriate and not appropriate in the workplace. Um, all these different types of things are in these books and people just throw them to the side. And then you get your behind handed to you um, because now you have the supervisor or 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 or, or superior um, creating a paper trail on you for every little thing that you do, and you have nothing. And then if if you allow certain things to happen and you don't make issue of it, you don't go to your union, you don't uh, make a grievance with the EEOC, you don't make a certain type of report of a director or a supervisor every time someone calls. For a reference, it doesn't matter what your what your what your uh, performance was, but if you had one altercation or two with someone, you just bumped heads, then they're they're talking crap about you, and you can't get another job. So they're affecting your livelihood, and these are things that people don't talk about. And I see people allowing employers to get away with, and your hands are tied because it's that professional side where you have to kind of create this. Um, this is kind of like fine line between I'm a professional, but I want to, I want to, I want, I want, I want to give this person the real tea about what they really need to be doing. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. you, but you can't, cause then your job's in jeopardy and it's just a mess. It was just too much. Um, I saw too much behind the scenes that I never fathomed that I would have to be witness to. And like I said, I'm, I, I consider myself a righteous person and, um, it stressed me out. I, I I seen some horrible stuff. I'll give you one thing that always sticks out in my mind. Um, in my particular job, um, 
we had like temps that would come in. Some of these temps would come back and they'll do that for years. I guess they had other gigs or whatever, but if we needed them, they would come back and, and, and they would work. And um, it was one fateful night, you know, we were talking about how bad the storms were over where you, you know, where you stay. And um, it was, a, she came into work a night shift, right? And she went out like we all do to grab a snack. It was her little break. And unfortunately was hit by vehicle in the dark crossing in the, in the, in the rain. And you know how it could be dark in the rain, you, you know, right. where the building was, it's like a hill. So if you're not going to see anyone in the dark and dark clothing until you come up on that hill and, you know, so car took her out. I had to witness my superior say, call this woman who lost her life working for you and had been doing so as a temp for many years on and off. Stupid. Huh? Mm. This woman, she had even been deceased, not even 24 hours. And I was like, nah, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. That was it for, for me. Um, it really um, struck a chord with me. And I'm like, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. This is this is not this is not what we do. That may be a very extreme case, but for me, it was the catalyst to say, "No, nah, it's time for you to um, <laughs> get on out of here. Start to sort of figure out um, what is what is it that you want to do." I had writing children's books was was had been itching at me for for a long time. You know, I was I was going mm-hmm. through the whole thyroid thing at the in in you know we're you know me and my husband trying to you know conceive. I had nothing keeping me there. I was fortunate enough to have a husband, you know, that I can, I can, I can just quit <laughs> if I wanted to. Right. I, I did that. I was like, this is, this is, this is stressful. This is stressful. This is ignorant. This is unlawful. Um, this is immoral, you know? Um, and to find out um, this particular supervisor, she, she, she was eventually terminated um, because she, it, it was, it, it was just way beyond me. Um, you know, you have to look at families, her husband, you know, he wanted nothing to do with the company. No, don't send flowers to her funeral. No, don't call me. You know what I mean? Because she's probably shared in when she was alive, you know, the dysfunction in, in the toxic work environment that she was working in. And if I'm seeing this at another level, you know, mm-hmm. um, on the other side, it's sort of backstage. I only can imagine what the workers were experiencing, you know. So um, I, I just, I just could not do it anymore. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and it was a rude awakening for me to find out that you know these jobs don't care about you. So I would always tell people if you are working a nine to five gig, when you sign on to a new job. Know your policy books backward and frontwards, okay? Do not get rid of it. Do not throw it away. I would even advise you to go to put it in a safe somewhere where you know you're not going to be looking for it. You know, it's going to get lost, so you can pull that out. Um, know all sources of contact, know what the protocol is if problems arise, and create a paper trail and or a journal. Be careful who you talk to because don't think because you're talking to your HR person or your or your union person that they're not going back to your supervisors and having these conversations. You know, these are things that sometimes people that should not really be happening, but they happen. Of course, there's certain conversations that have to be had because mm-hmm. there's layers and, and different, you know, um, uh, 
processes that go in, 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 in this department has to talk to this department, you know, they go hand in hand, but there are certain private conversations that are totally confidential that should not know. So if you're having a dispute with your with your boss, why are they why are they being told everything that you you understand what I'm saying? There's certain right. things they no, it, it's not it's not a healthy thing. And um, some sometimes you know, and if you have a great HR department, then that's great. But unfortunately, we hear a lot of stories. I'm just just was helping someone out who just recently lost their job because they wore a um, Black Lives Matter um, uh, a mask. Now everyone's wearing um uh, uh uh support support the police mask they're wearing american flags mask they're wearing make america great mask but you can't come in and wear your black lives matter uh mask he totally was escorted out because because he refused to and so even though i don't work in hr you know it just helps you know this these are the steps that you need to follow and you know an investigation has been launched but you know he's still without a job we're dealing with 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 the coronavirus and, 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 and you know, people's lives have changed and it's hard. And it's just it's just, you know, just kind of, you know, reminded me of of how wrong like some of these businesses and they know it. But if you if you don't know, you know, what 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 your rights are as an employee, mm-hmm. these are the types of things. It's ugly, man. And I just, I just couldn't I couldn't hack it. I don't have that type of of temperament and, and personality. And I I had, I had to um, exit on out of there. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Yeah. It's um, I'm glad you were able to um, be in a space where you could, could like leave that environment. Cause that, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's a rough place to be in, especially as an HR person. Cause okay. you're basically have to be your, like the balancing actor, you supposedly the balancing act between everyone. And that's, that's you a rough place. To you be. do and psychiatrists, you know, people come with all types of situations. It's it's just, it, it takes a certain type of person. But um, when you're in a situation like that environment and it's that bad because of a couple of people, if they were removed, maybe things would improve somewhat. Um, it just means a whole new restructuring and, you know, and um, people have to speak up and speak out, you know, and, and mm-hmm. unfortunately a lot of people don't because people are like, I'm not rocking the boat, I got family, you know. Well, nothing's going to change. You know, nothing's going to change for you. Nothing's going to change for everybody else. You have to expose these people. And, you know, there are a lot of anonymous lines where you can call in and report things that aren't right. Do it. You know, um, for those investigations can be can be um, unleashed and, and people can be taken care of. But it, it was just it was a lot. <laughs> anybody right. understand depending on where you are. Um, you know, on that, on that, on that ladder, but it, it was a mess. It was a mess. It was very, mm-hmm. uh, ugh, it was hostile. It was <laughs> Man. very toxic. You know, this actually leads me to um, a question I like to ask everybody. Um, mm-hmm. How would you define uh, professionalism? Um, I would define professionalism. Um, it goes right in line with everything that I've said here today. Um, be yourself. Be yourself. Be unapologetically yourself. What does my hair, what does my skin color, my religion, my culture, how many kids I have, who I'm married to, what does that got to do if I'm coming into work every day doing the job that you are paying me to do? Okay. Being an entrepreneur is a little bit different because you have freedom and, and you're not worried so much about, you know, a a, um, a power structure. 
you know, because you're you're the power structure, <laughs> you make up the rules. But when I was in that situation, yeah, there are times where it's not so easy to say F everything and I'm going to just quit, you know, or, you know, because you got kids, you got families, you got mortgages, car notes, you got to get to them from work, you got to feed people. Um, but um, that is what professionalism is to me. I don't I don't, I don't think anyone should have the right to um, deny me. <laughs> access, you know, to anything just just based on that. If I'm performing the duties and I have the skill set, then allow me to be great. Wonderful. I like that. <laughs> Everyone usually uh, kind of gives like a different kind of twist on it. And I like to um, get everyone's opinion because that is, I mean, kind of back to what we're saying about words matter. Um, that's definitely a word that's been used to keep Black people from rising through things like referring to mm -hmm. our hair as unprofessional, referring to how we behave, how we speak. All these different things is unprofessional. So, mm -hmm. well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, I want to transition a little to talk a little bit more about your book, which um, I mean, I said it before, but I really do love it. I love how you put it together, mm -hmm. the way you put it together. And I think it's a really, really strong resource. And I personally learned something from it as well. Um, and one thing, well, there's a couple of things actually, but I really like the section with the different affirmations. Mm -hmm. um, that you had in there that people could use. And um, I'm wondering, like, when you are speaking to, I guess, like, your, your five-year-old, um, mm -hmm. how do you um, kind of teach her to start using affirmations in her own life? Um, I, you know, I kind of incorporate them into everyday life when we're getting dressed, when we're eating, if we're out and about, and um, even playing with toys. I remind her that you know when i'm doing her hair oh you know i'll say if i'm brushing your hair and i'm pulling it into an afro puff oh your hair is so beautiful today look in the mirror look at your hair and she says oh my hair is pretty you know she'll do those things <laughs> um right now she's going through this phase where she loves bantu knots she does not call them bantu knots she calls them snails because when you twist them you know oh they yeah like <laughs> so she says so she says mommy i want snails i want to have pretty snails in my hair so it's just affirming that your hair is beautiful you know um I, i'll throw something in um i'll have one like like um she loves princess tiana from uh disney's um uh the princess and the frog you know mm. um when she looks at that particular doll she'll say oh i'm just like tiana she has brown skin like me so i'll i'll like just kind of like feed it to her that way to reaffirm that, you know, this doll you think is beautiful. She's a princess. Um, you love the story that you look like that and you can relate to that image, you know, and it kind of builds her up in at her level at a five-year-old's level. You understand what I'm saying? I'm really yeah. um, conscious of what she watches because she is in um, this stage of loving video games and those YouTube like, cartoons and, 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 and little videos, but you have mm. to be careful because sometimes the imagery says something different. As innocent as it appears, it says something different. And I'll give you an example. Um, there was one particular, I think it was teaching her um, like, like her ABCs and there was this whole gang of animals. They were the main characters, but the wolf, he was, he was colored black and he would come and he would rob he would he would be the bully he would be the one scaring them and she made a statement like black is evil whoa whoa wait, wait mm -mm, what 
you know, um, not in this house. So guess what? I That taught me, even though I'm paying attention, and as innocent as these things are, we have to pay even more attention <laughs> because sometimes those things are hidden. I never told her that Black was evil. Like I said, we're Blackly Black in our home. We, we are very proud of our culture and, and to be Black. And um, I thought I was doing a good job, but do you understand how outside influences creep on in there? We can't protect our kids from everything. So we have to be very vigilant. We have to be on it. And so I had to kind of sit her down and explain to her, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> black is not evil. You know, this is a character. You know, it has nothing to do with his color. It was just a whole thing. But um, yeah, so you just have to sort of counteract those things when they come but you have to be very um strategic and very matter of fact in what you expose your children to and what you say to them and what you say around them because children become what they live if if if, we, if i'm saying one thing to her but she's seeing me say and do things around the house and it's just not going to matter all those good things that i'm trying to to instill in her so um She's at a point now where it's just like, oh, you know, she's on the hair thing. She just loves hair. <laughs> I think she understands hair more than she understands, um, I think, um, skin color and what that means right now. Mm -hmm. um, to her, it's just a color, but she doesn't get it, you know what I mean, quite yet. Right. Um, but the hair thing, she definitely gets, I don't know if it's a girl, and she's kind of girly, and you know, but um, she definitely gets the hair thing. And even like with the book, you know, she'll say, I love my curls and you know so it, oh, it's it, awesome. it, yeah so it, it's it's just every day you just you just tie it in or we just tie it into to what we do and just reaffirm that that hey it's okay you know <laughs> you're beautiful mm -hmm. and you know your hair is beautiful your skin's beautiful your eyes whatever thing you know she's has a beautiful smile we'll just pick out something every day and just you know let her know you know build her up that's pretty awesome no, you actually make me think about like, I know growing up, my mom was very intentional about um, kind of different things that were in the house and like what I was watching on TV as well. Like some things that went a little too far with like Digimon, but <laughs> there's some <laughs> things like she definitely was on it and I have to give her, her credit. But um, I just thinking like, I remember my room, I had this kind of small poster, but it had um it was like 10 black founders and inventors um like you people in the u.s and i just think of like things like that so i always saw that growing up so it's kind of just that visual reinforcement that you know black people can end up creating these like amazing they, things yes and, they definitely can yeah. they can and even like even yeah. like um like the books that we, we, we buy her now that she's going to be entering into kindergarten, I feel it's very important for us um, to sort of get on top of the things that, you know, she's not really going to be learning once <laughs> she enters into mm -hmm. the public school system. So, you know, every book um, that, that I've bought in probably the last year has been a book with diverse characters or if not at all black all black characters because I think it's really important for her to um not only learn about um you know her history um in in, in different places her culture is by books that represent who she is you know and um right. it's working and um being a writer I've met a lot of great um black writers and I'll just buy their book, you know, and, and, you mm -hmm. know, and 
shared with her and you know it it has done wonders it's like she 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 just she just loves it and um you know she carries those books around like she would carry a stuffed animal around and and that's how deep yeah that's how deep she's into it and um there's one particular book um that she really loves it's it's um about a father it's it's about a father who does all these amazing things but his daughter's like my daddy you know um doesn't wear capes like other superheroes but these are the normal everyday things that my daddy does for me and my family and it was such a wonderful book that i that happened to come around father's day and that is um her in 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 her dad's favorite book to read together because there's not a whole lot of books i mean my book can be for anybody but it's it is a little bit more for little girls um but there's not a whole lot of books that uplift black fathers and black men and you know where they can share it is be not only a father but a black father we don't get the images so much so um she just loves that book she just <laughs> you know she just adores it so um that's yeah. really cool and that probably helps strengthens their bond too it does it does the reading time mm-hmm. very cool all right well um, i want to um transition a little to kind of talk about your own natural hair journey um mm-hmm. So you actually shared something really interesting to me about your decision to go natural, but um, can you share with everyone, um, do you remember what type of things or what inspired you to start your lock journey? Um, what inspired me for my lock journey? I think I had done it all. I, um, I did the big chop. I wore the afros. I, um, <laughs> I've worn braids and... I just, I didn't feel like satisfied and I didn't think my hair thrived hmm. wearing those styles. So the next thing was locks. I've always wanted to go to, to um, get locks, but I was in that period on my journey where I wasn't sure if I wanted to commit to locks because when you get locks, it is a commitment. It is a commitment. It is no changing. It is no, you know, it's a whole different type of journey. So, um, <laughs> When I decided to get locks, it, it for me it wasn't really a spiritual thing, but it did become a lifestyle thing. If that makes sense, um, um, because I'm I'm not like a Rastafarian. You're like you get all these weird questions, and I'm like, nah, you know. I just think for me, it is the best style um, for my texture of hair and type of hair. Um, it's a lifestyle that I've, I've been living for quite some time, you know, in this natural hair journey, I've done everything. So it was a natural progression to discover and speaking with professionals and locticians, um, shout out to, uh, <laughs> Renee, my loctician. She, we went through a whole education before I, I decided I wanted to commit and to, um, do this. And, um, I would not have, I wish I would have done it way <laughs> way sooner um my my hair thrives um i feel the most beautiful the most confident um everywhere i go it's a conversation piece it's an art piece um there's some styles that i wear that i mean it's art man it's it's really art um it's interesting because your lock journey it's just like your natural hair journey because there's people don't understand if you don't wear locks sometimes that there are different phases that your locks actually go through you know and um it's it's great to count when you first get them how many locks you have how they Mm -hmm. change 
things that you can do versus what you can't do, um, the products that you use, um, how quick, I, I'm amazed at how quickly my hair is grown. My hair hasn't been like this length since I was like a kid and it grew like every time I go, I'm like, what, you know, <laughs> I got right. time, you know, so my hair, <laughs> it really, it really thrives. Um, my hair type loves it. I think it's beautiful. It's fitting. It, it, it's, it's art. It, it shows it's a lifestyle. Um, I, 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 I just, I, I would never, I would never change this. I'm, 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 I'm locked for life. I'm locked for life. And that's kind of how I, I made that transition because I tried everything. It was through trial and error. And you kind of find out what styles work best for you, what, what doesn't work um, for you. And locks, definitely my hair, my hair, it, it, it just loves it. And um, it's the best decision that I've, I've ever made. And my daughter also, my daughter, she, she also um, has her hair locked to my oldest daughter. So. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. She also entered into, um, you know, her journey, you know, with, with locks. So, and it was interesting because the process was different. Um, she started hers off with two strand twists from, you know, mm-hmm. from, from jump. And then my process was a little, was a little bit different. So it's, 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 it's a wonderful journey and um, I'm kind of new to it still, you know, but um, I'm learning. I, but I just, I just love it. I, I just love it. <laughs> yeah. And they look great too. Um, yeah. You say your daughter. Your daughter. You said she went to Howard. Howard. Yes. Howard. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Do you know if she or how long has she had locks? She's had locks um, going on close to um, like a year. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So she's she's pretty new, but she um, start started them off um, with two strand twists, um, which was kind of a natural progression because that was like her go to hairstyle anyway. Oh, right. <laughs> always had her hair twisted because you know being a student you don't have time to always obsess about your hair and mm-hmm. uh, that was one of her go-to hairstyles so it was it was very funny when she started off that that was one of the options given to her due to the t- her texture of hair that probably would be the best way to to start her 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 lock journey and um she she went ahead and did it because she you know being on a college campus you know um you always got to be cute you know Howard you know yeah you're there for right. that those kids. <laughs> right. They, More than um, education. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, she got kind of caught up in, 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 the, in, the, in, in the wig thing for a minute and in the braids. But then she just said, no, you know, I'm kind of I'm, I'm, I'm going to go there and, and, and um, start this lock journey to something I wanted to do. And she did it. And um, she said the same thing. Like I said, she there's no going backwards. It's like the best decision that she ever, you know, she she ever made and people love it. They're like, hey, look at you. You know, they 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 love it. She's been very accepting right. any, you know, backlash when you're in this environment where that may not be um the go-to um you know aesthetic for a lot of the girls on that campus. And you would think it would be a little bit different because you're on you're at a HBCU, like you would think everyone's walking around natural, but no, it's just like it's just a reflection of of society, you know. Um you know, some people are right. natural, some people aren't. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. Well, um, Janae, you gave us a lot. And um, I'm really excited to also kind of share like links to your book because um, oh, sure. it really is really cool. Um, and I know it's like everywhere too. So it's like you can't not yeah. miss it. Like you're going to find it somewhere. But um, yeah. is there anything else that you wanted to share with everyone? 
definitely say, um, you know, if you want to find out more um, about natural hair, more about the book, you can follow me on um, on my social media, you know, at um, ilovemycurlsbook.com. Um, if, if, if you are looking to purchase my book, I'm not sure if you can see it here. Um, mm -hmm. You can find it on Amazon. Um, you can order it for my, for my site. But like you said earlier, it's a book um, that teaches young girls to appreciate their natural hair. It's also a great conversation piece for parents to broach the conversation about natural hair, what it is, how to care for it. It makes it much easier. It's not about the story for me. It's about the education in the back of the book and in the resource guide, um, you know, that really resonates. I wanted to create a short story just to go along with it, to have a um, visual where little girls could relate to it and see different hairstyles of, of, of a character that looked like them and represented them. But it's more to me about the education and learning um, your natural hair. And there's affirmations as well that can help reinforce those ideas and also some cute activities um, that the kids can um, can do. Um, I have a few more projects that are launching that are going to sort of um, follow this mission of mine. Um, but I, I do think it's a great book, but I do think that's the one thing that makes my book um, unique. It's just not about the little short story. It's more about the education. It encompasses, you know, encompasses it all. So, um, it's a learning tool more than anything I want people to um, understand. But um, yeah, you know, just, you know, it, it starts when the kids are young. There's too many negative messaging that's getting into our kids at very, very young ages, and we need to combat it. You know, if we learn a language between um, zero to five years, don't you think that would probably be the, 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 the age point or range where we really need to be reinforcing self-love and and of, of, of who we are of our culture of our natural hair and you know before they get out there and the world gets a hold of them and it's and it's a bit too late and they have to go through those same traumas and those experiences that we've had to go through um unnecessarily because hey we we, we have the tools we have a platform um now where it's more acceptable to talk about these things out in the open and um instill these thought processes within our children. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing all of that. And also just to uh, double down what you mentioned, like your book, um, I think it's really cool because you're right. I think usually what we get is the story that is empowering in itself, but you actually took it a step farther and like, all right, here's the story. Now here's a how to. We gave a, exactly. like a, a good list of how to's that can really keep people yeah. busy. <laughs> I oh, did. Okay. And that's what a lot of people, you know, really appreciate, you know, you know, when they come back, they they, they say, you know what, I really learned about my type of hair, because I'm not really into the hair type of thing. I, I come from a place when you learn what your curl pattern is, it's easier to take care and maintain it. You know, it's not about one type is better than the other, not for me. But when you come mm -hmm. in caring for your hair, you need to understand what's coming out of <laughs> your scalp. Right. So, um, yeah, so it, it really resonates with people, hair health, um, appreciation of natural hair, you know, and as kids get older, like the types of discussions we've had today, you know, we, we, we make it an appropriate discussion to move <laughs> into, into talking about now you're here, you know, how does, 
you know, your hair affect you at work? You know, what type of professions are you going into and what is that experience going to be like? You know, um, you know, and I, I, I would hope that the um, generations that are coming after me, after you, aren't going to have as much of an issue with these types of, of topics. When just oh, oh, your hair, <laughs> you know, I, I hope that change is going to um, kind of happen for them and they feel the freedom that, okay, well, if the establishment is telling me I can't do this, then I have the freedom to, to um, build my own business or do things that, you know, that I don't have to worry and put up with these types of, um, this type of policing mm-hmm. any longer. So hopefully that's where we're, we're, we're moving here. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to thank you because I honestly feel like, um, what you're doing through all the work you do in your book, it is um, helping the movement progress because um, sometimes it's just about kind of direction and the how to, and I think this year, what you're doing is a very strong step towards forwards in the whole movement. So thank you. Yeah. And also thank you for coming on. I really enjoy speaking to you. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. All right, y'all, that's a wrap for today, but please do yourself a favor and go to bosslocks.org right now. We're at the beginning of something great, and I don't want you to miss out. You know, not only can you learn more about our guests, follow them and on all the platforms that they exist on, but you can also join the Boss Locks Village. The Boss Locks Village will be the place to stay in the loop and get things before anyone else. All you do is visit bosslocks.org, that is B-O-S-S-L-O-C-K-S dot org to learn how to join the village. And I also want to thank you for listening to Boss Locks. We're here to redefine professionalism, prove that natural hair and professionalism do coexist, and elevate black voices. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the village.